I want to read to you from Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. <clears throat> and I'll read it from verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So people, the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Amen. Well, friends, I want to say a few words about this. We could say a national prayer meeting. The king called a prayer meeting, we could say, in this chapter. There was a day when King George, the grandfather of King Charles, um, called Days of Prayer during the Second World War. Um, and here we have another event of a king in the city of Nineveh calling the nation to prayer. When you hear the po politicians in our days, and even uh, the King of England in our day, they often speak about their policies, uh, that they will usher in the best days of the nation. Uh, they say something like, well, the future is bright. We are going to be strong and uh, the times ahead of us will be better if you vote for us, if you get us into office uh, and uh, we will make this country safe and great again. Um, but the, dear friends, we cannot keep a nation safe when God is determined to judge it. When God is determined to judge a nation and a people, nothing will keep that nation safe. You cannot prevent judgment from falling upon a nation when the heavenly dam has already broken and the flood is coming in. Romans chapter 1, which is already tells us, it suggests that the um, judgment has begun and that God has turned us over to the power of sin on so many fronts. And here is this account of a king and a nation who all had great confidence in themselves beforehand is the city of Nineveh and their unnamed king in this book of Jonah. And the prophet Jonah 
brings these arrogant, confident people an unmistakable threat from the God of heaven. And God says in 40 days, this city will be overthrown. And that probably uh, meant uh, that they would be subdued. They would be conquered. Um, he didn't say by what means. Uh, they weren't entitled to know by what means. M maybe it was earthquake. Maybe fire coming, falling from heaven or some invading army. But friends, it was grace enough just for the Lord to tell them that judgment was coming. It was mercy enough to send them a preacher uh, to say so. And so in verse 5, we read this stunning response, the, the, the response we, we all wish we were seeing from our own nations when we call them to repentance. And, and when the abundance of faithful preachers in, in our countries have been warning of judgment for so long, it says that the people of Nineveh believed God. Right now, our nation is full of unbelief about God. We don't respond with fasting and sackcloth. That was symbolic ways of um, mourning over sin and repentance. But in this case, a city that in their own nature would normally have laughed at God. They would have said, well, get out of here. Stop bothering us, you foolish man. Instead, it says, so the people of Nineveh believed God, it says. And that is an interesting thing. Uh, they believed the message from the God of heaven. They didn't, it doesn't say they believed Jonah, but it says they believed God. And um, the passage that I want us to just very briefly to think about is um, verses 6, 6 onwards where uh, we read first that there is this end uh, of this positive talk and image that the king of Nineveh had this very positive uh, view of himself. And if you read this history of Nineveh, you see that, uh, that what happened here was a transformation. God was working in this man's heart. And what he does, he, he removes his robes, he comes off his throne, and, and that was all symbolic gestures of lowering himself from the position of power. He says, I don't have power. He's covering himself with sackcloth and ashes. He's realizing this is out of my control. Like so many things, dear friends, in our own personal life and walk, uh, the things that causes us much tear and worry. And you think about it, it's out of your control. It's out of my control. Imagine how... It, it, that would look like what, what scene we have here on national TV. Imagine the BBC reporter would go to, um, uh, to, to the prime minister of England, who is outside of Downing Street, and uh, he's kneeling on the ground. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's got torn clothes, and he's praying that God will spare our nation and not judge us for our sins. That's exactly what was happening there. And you can think about the president of the United States, that the um, liberal CNN reporter goes out to him and says, what are you doing outside here? Mr. Prime Minister, Mr. President, pardon us, but what is this all about? What do you say? What have you got to say to the nation tonight? And that brings me to the next next thing. There is this undistracted focus on seeking God. 
And here, um, the king is saying to the people, you must fast. Yeah, I charge you, you must fast. Everybody must fast. Don't drink, don't eat. What is that telling you? He's saying to the nation, focus your attention on the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Plead with him for mercy. There is this desperate need that our nation has, and you have to devote yourself to prayer and seeking God and repentance. That's what it's all about. That's that's what he's saying here. Focus your attention on the Lord. And then the next thing is, verse 8, is he's saying you must repent. You must repent. These were wicked people. He says, let them turn everyone from his evil way. He says, we are a nation and Everyone is, is on this broad road, which is this evil way. Their practices are evil. We've been worshipping false idols. We have been shedding innocent blood. We have uh, done all kinds of evil things, and we must turn. And it says, and from the violence that is in their hands. These, these were notoriously violent and cruel people prone to abuse their neighbor for gain and theft and unkindness. And, and, and so here is a king saying, turn, turn from your evil ways. Turn from the violence that, that is in your hands. And friends, if you are to be heard when we pray at our prayer meetings, we need to be different from the people of our nation. We need to not be proclaiming our goodness and greatness and potential. Nor should we be boasting com uh, confidently of our wonderful future. Uh, but uh, what we must do is to turn from whatever we are doing that is contrary to the will of God. Reject all the self-serving idols and your own sinful lust and turn to God. That's what the king is saying. And then there is... He then gives a positive note in verse 9. Look at it. It says, who can tell if God will turn and repent? He says, there is hope in the mercy of God. Who can tell? He says, who knows? God may relent. God may turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? The king doesn't presumptuously hold God to anything. He says God is sovereign. God can do whatever he wishes. And, and um, this king is not assuring the citizens that God will call off the judgment. He's saying, actually, we deserve this. We deserve this wrath of God. We deserve judgment. And we can say about our own nations, we, we des still deserve it. And we've got it coming. But he doesn't uh, he, he, or I should say, he does dare to hope for mercy. And that's what this prayer meeting is about. Every time we gather together like this here online or in our prayer meetings, we are saying we dare to hope for mercy because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And he's saying perhaps if we repent, God won't bring it to pass. Maybe it's really not too late if we repent, if we call upon the Lord. 
And there are no less than 17 times in the scriptures when the Lord issues a statement of certain judgment that was withdrawn and which he did not carry out when the threat uh, he threatened sinners and those threatened sinners repented. And in verse 10, God did in fact take notice of this. He observed their genuine repentance. Uh, they didn't merely wish to evade the painful consequences of their just deserts, but they turned from their evil ways. So even though he commissioned his prophet to say that Nineveh would be crushed in 40 days, it would fall. He decided not to do it. And friends, there are grounds for hope when people repent and when people pray. Even if judgment has been threatened, even if judgment has already begun, even if judgment has been declared as a certainty, and it's as true of individuals and families and churches as it is of nations. When we find ourselves in circumstances which suggest that disaster cannot be averted now and it's due to your own sin, there's a still reason to hope for mercy if you repent. Even if no one is encouraging you or no one has anything positive to say to you, it may be, who can tell? It may be that God has not prompted them to say that to you. But with or without men speaking, you still know from his word that God is merciful to the brokenhearted and to those who turn from their sin and to him. So don't be easily swayed in a nation that keeps professing positivity, high hopes, and a great self-image that, that says our best days are ahead <clears throat> while we go on in immoral ways. No matter how many men who are in power speak that way, the fact is there's nothing encouraging you can say in response to that other than repent. And that's what uh, Jonah was saying, repent. And as Christians, every time we gather together, we are saying, I put my hope and I put my trust in a sovereign God who can wipe us off this world, who can pour his judgment upon us. But every time we are praying, we are saying, well, I'm looking to Christ, who is my only hope. And who can tell if he is making intercession for us and he's saying to his father, let me dig about this. Let, let me dig about this nation, this church, this people. Who can tell? Maybe and they will return and they will repent. May God bless us then with these few thoughts. Amen.